0: So, today is uh, Class 9, and the title will be Encouraging a Passion for Evangelism and Missions. Uh, With our limited time, we are barely going to skim the surface of both of these topics, evangelism and missions. But I, I encourage you to read further and to consider attending Missions and Evangelism Corps Seminars. Uh, that go much more into detail into both topics and other sermons and whatnot. And in some sense, these are not two separate topics. They are closely related. Evangelism is telling the gospel to unbelievers, right? And missions is doing evangelism, right? Except it's just across waters and just kind of away from the, the area that you live in. So today's lesson, we've broken it up into two parts. Uh, the first part will be on evangelism, and the second part will be on missions. So uh, that that'll be kind of broken up into two points. The first one is encouraging evangelism. We we begin by thinking about some reasons why we evangelize, and we'll look at three reasons. One reason is uh, we understand that evangel- evangelism is normal for Christians because it's commanded. And is compelled by us through scripture. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 11 and 14, the uh, the, the apostle Paul writes, Since then, we know whats what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. I just read both verses. Notice that he doesn't say since we are apostles, we try to persuade men or uh, since we have a special gift of evangelism, we try to persuade men. Rather, he writes that because he fears the Lord, he is compelled to share the gospel and his love for Christ. The same should be for every Christian. You evangelize because you fear the Lord. Uh, there is no specialized certificate for evangelism. That's, this, that's not a special skill. But what qualifies you is the Holy Spirit inside of you. What qualifies you is that you're a Christian. Evangelism evangelism is commanded for all Christians. We share our faith with an unsaved world because that is what God commands us to do. It makes no sense to hoard the gospel to ourselves, right? We have the best news in the entire world. Why wouldn't we share it, right? Uh, the, The second reason is evangelism is a source of joy for Christians. Uh, no, Not only should we evangelize because we are uh, commanded to, but we also should, should evangelize because it's a, it's a critical source of joy for all of us as Christians. Listen to what Paul tells Philemon in um, verses 4-7. through seven. He says, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. Because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of the saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Your love has been has given me great joy and encouragement because of you, brother. You have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Paul expresses joy in the fruit of God's work in the life of his friend Philemon. But he also encourages Philemon, and us, by extension, to share the gospel regular for our joy. When we share our faith, we gain a fuller understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. We are never to guilt Christians to, uh, into doing evangelism, though. We want to share the gospel because it deepens our relationship with Christ. In order to fully understand and enjoy the good things that we have in Christ, we must share our faith. Evangelism isn't just for the other person, but it helps us grow spiritually as well. So, my third reason is evangelism is for God's glory. The third reason we encourage evangelism and the most important reason is for God's glory. Amen, Junior. (laughs) Listen to Romans chapter 3, verses 25 to 26. Uh, Paul writes, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because of the forbearance of God. He passed over the sins previously committed for the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. The purpose of God's substitutionary work in Christ is was first and foremost to vindicate the name of God. Because if his prior forbearance towards sin had caused his justice to seem to be called into question, Uh, we know from other places in scripture that God showed for us through the sacrifice of his son, rather he showed love for us through the sacrifice of his son. But the glory of God was the first thing he had in mind. Uh, be reminded that God's glory and his children's good are inseparably linked. What glorifies God is good for us. In your discipleship, your, your discipling relationships, you gain more motivation for evangelism when you understand why you are doing it. As we just mentioned before, a discipleship is not a behavior modification but the shaping of a Christian's heart, mind, desires, and motivations. We don't want to just encourage his legalistic obedience, but we want to encourage heart-transforming, God-glorifying reasons for evangelism. An active concern for the lost teaches volume for others. If you are a discipler, it helps when your friends see evangelism as a natural part of the fabric of your life. It's not done with some specific program or as an occasional activity, right? But it should be a normal part of your day-to-day existence. You know, take some time to think through how you can strategically reach out to others. Evangelism doesn't have to be the spontaneous, um, spontaneous thing. It can be deliberate and planned out. Sometimes it just takes a simple conversation with a friend, thinking through who is in their sphere of influence, uh, who displays an openness to spiritual things and who who they are praying for. Uh, Just as um, one or two simple conversations can give your friend the encouragement, he or she needs to be bold. Just to catch everybody up who just uh, walked in, uh, today's class is on um, encouraging a passion for evangelism and missions. Another thing you can do uh, is just read a book together on evangelism. A few suggestions of some books that you can read together will be Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God by J.I. Packer, uh, Words to Winners of Souls by Bernard, um, The Gospel and Personal Evangelism by Mark Dever is another good one, just name a few. And if you would like to read a book on evangelism, But not by yourself. Just let me know. I want to read as many books as possible. Um, Keep in mind the importance of a church in evangelism. A healthy culture of discipleship should do a lot to commend the gospel to an unbelieving world. By watching how we live together, unbelievers will either see the gospel to be true or false. Likewise, a healthy church culture will spurn its members onto evangelism. Here at Cross Life, our brother Peter leads an evangelism group. And, um, you know, if you would like to apply anything that you've learned throughout this series, uh, he goes, uh, when's the next time you're going? Yep, but just reach out to Peter, he'll, he'll let you know. Are there any questions? All right. So point two, encouraging missions. If there are many things, rather, there are many things we can focus on in discipling, right? Uh, dating, marriage, career issues, printing, money management. Why would we want to give uh, a headline of status to the topic of missions? So here are a few reasons why we want to encourage missions and discipling missions are not optional for christians uh, there are a great number of things in the christian life that we can choose to do or not right without blotting your christian discipleship uh, you can serve on the worship team right you can help out the sound ministry these are significant things but they are optional not every christian is expected to be involved in them but involvement in the cause of global evangelism is not one of those optional things for Christians. All Christians are called to serve the cause of global evangelism by one or two, by, by two basic ways. One of the two. You either be, you're either going to be a goer. There are some who are called by God to leave this place that they are and going somewhere else with the deliberate intent of sharing the gospel message in a new place or with a new people. Some cross-reference verses will be uh, Matthew 28, verse 19, and Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 15. So you either be a goer or you'll be a sender. Uh, the biblical picture is that if we don't go, that doesn't end our responsibility. Rather, uh, then we structure our lives in order to help support, encourage, and to send. This is why we as a church, uh, we support a couple of missionaries. Uh, and, uh, I think the, the mission the, um, the board of, with all the missionaries are the, in the other building another helpful thing you can do is pray so if you're not going to the mission field you can even help financially support those in the mission field and a simple thing that we all can do right is pray for those across seas pray for those who are risking their life to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ in John's third letter we see the universal imperative for all Christians to be involved in missions John writes, uh, um, Third John, uh, verses 5-8, through 8, he writes, Beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren, and especially when they are strangers, and they have testified to your love for before the church. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. For they went out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support such men so that we may be fellow workers with the truth. In that passage, we we see some who are sent out by a church for the sake of Christ's name. And there are some who are to show hospitality to and send out those who go abroad to plan the gospel. Both goers and senders are a part of the work of missions. For those who send out missionaries... A passion for global missions should be a normal part of the life. The Great Commission was given to the church. A mission is is the work of all the members of a church, not just a few. Therefore, we uh, we want to inculcate a passion for missions in every disciple. We can't have a biblically faithful church without a passion for missions. We deliberately talk about missions in our discipling relationships because we want our friends to prosper spiritually. Again, John writes in um, Third John, uh, Third John um, verses one through four. He writes, "The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health." Just as your soul prospers, for I was very glad when brethren came and testified to your truth. That is how you are walking in truth. I have no greater joy than this to hear of my children walking in truth. How does John say that Guy is showing his faithfulness to the truth that especially highlighted his spiritual health? Read on. Verse five. Beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren, especially for the strangers, and you have testified to your love for the church. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of the Lord, for they went out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support such men, so that we may be fellow workers with the truth. John seems to base much of his confidence in Gaius, spiritual health, on Gaius' willingness to care for and welcome itinerant evangelists and missionaries sent out presumably by John's home church. This particular act demonstrates for John Gaius' love for the lost and for other Christians by him supporting missionaries. We deliberately cultivate this kind of uh, love in the lives of our friends because we want to see them do well spiritually, right? Right. Cultivating a passion for mission promotes spiritual health because, because it is one of the most selfless things we can do as Christians. If we are genuine Christians, then a desire to see God glorified should be a very real and significant part of life. In your discipling relationships... Uh, you do your great you, you do your friend a great service when you cultivate a taste for missions. When people think in terms of one-on-one discipling, right? Rarely does mission seem to be discussed. Uh, Christians talk about uh, their personal devotional life, their prayer times, their struggle with sin, and even the need to do local evangelism. But the issue of global mission seems to be seldom approached. There's nothing wrong with those topics, but if we want to be, rather we want people to understand this aspect of basic basic Christian discipleship, we need to be deliberate in talking about missions. So what can we do in discipling relationships to encourage this passion for missions? Well, you can make the topic of missions a regular part of your, your relationship, uh, just like um, prayer or Bible study, right? Uh, you can make this concern for missions a regular part of your discipling with another person. Uh, when you get together, you can make it a point to regularly pray for those in the missions field and pray that your church would help send others out. If you are meeting up with some regularly, uh, just make it a point of praying for you know one of the supported members here at Cross Life, one of the missionaries that we support. Or again, you can read a couple of books on missions together. I'll name a couple more. Uh, Let the nations be glad by John Piper. Uh, a vision for missions uh, by Tom Wells. I just name a few. If you want to hear some others, I-, I listed a couple of others. And you can also consider various missionary biographies. Right, a couple other books. Uh, to the Golden Shore. Uh, the life of I can't pronounce his name, but his last name is Justin. Uh, Courtney Anderson um, writes a uh, faithful witness. Just model a concern for missions. Let your friend know how you are personally and deliberately structuring your life in order to be faithful to God's passion for global missions. To God's passion for global missions. Let them know about the decisions that you've made about your time, your money, and your vacations in light of your desire to advance the work of Christ around the world. Talk specifically about their role in global missions. Not every Christian will become a pastor or a missionary. That's just not biblical. But every healthy immature mature Christian must at some point ask what is his or her role in God's plan to reach nations. Some will be goers. Some will be senders. But all must be involved. One of the, the greatest other things that i mentioned before is just prayer. It's from the confines of your home, just praying for people. And finally, a few thoughts on what to uh, consider if the person you are discipling seems like they may want to become a missionary. Uh, First, um, get them to start talking with others. We want to do this because we want people to be praying for them. We also want them uh, to do this because some people might uh, need to be slowed down before they go out and drive the car, right? Uh, We should uh, less often say no to a person who uh, has a desire to go abroad and more often say, wait, uh, stick around and grow for a while in a healthy church and give us some time to, to get to know you better, right? Second, encourage them to talk to a church leader sooner rather than later. A lot of people falsely believe that a calling to missions is an intensely personal decision. A decision to pursue missions must involve your local church. rather than making a settled decision and then informing your church leaders, we would prefer you get to know the elders and the the elders rather very early on in that process. That way the church can help shepherd you through this process. (coughs) Please don't ever think you're wasting your pastor's time if you have this desire and you just mention it to him. Even if you haven't had everything figured out just yet. Uh, Third... Help them realize the church sends missionaries, not they themselves. The burden should never be on one's person's shoulders alone to discern a call to missions or to prepare for the work of missions. Our pastor and our church as a whole wants to help uh, to walk with them as they consider how they are called to fit into God's plan for the nation. Uh, Fourthly, consider what the church will be looking for as a potential missionary dependability, a faithfulness in attendance, serving in the church, a stable Christian beliefs, a track record for good judgment, a consistent prayer life, quiet times, and a sound theological understanding of God, Christ, man, and scripture. So just in conclusion, there's two things uh, to remind those who were discipling. Having a concern for evangelism and missions as a basic part of what it means to be a faithful Christian and disciple. Helping our friends to understand this truth will give them greater joy and God his rightful glory.